Yes. I understand, but like you're dealing with a robot. You need to just tell him exactly what to do so there's no room for negotiation. I want to say appreciate your time, appreciate your time. You say that after he gives you your money back. Because do you really appreciate his time unless he gives you your money back? Or is he just fucking with you? And he's going to be like, what? Who cares? You, you say what you want. Don't say anything else. Tell him to give you what you want. I'm going to say, unfortunately, this program. Is no, no judgment. This isn't working for me. I would appreciate a full refund. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's so hard. If you're dealing with patriarchy, you gotta talk like an asshole. Assholes only respond to assholes. Please be nice. Please be nice. Please be nice. Please be nice. You told him he under delivered and over promised, and he said, "Well, I'm still gonna have to pay this bitch." That's not nice. This program isn't working for me. I appreciate a full Pleasure. Let me know how he responds. I will. Do you need to talk with anything? No, I'm all set. Do you realize too much? There's a plus and minus there? Yeah. All of it. Okay. I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> I like a tinker toy. Is it okay? It's totally fine. Okay. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Let's see, participants. Hi, friends. Hi there. Okay, I'm getting Zoom going here as well. So I'm gonna mute all of the participants in Zoom, and that's already recording, so we're good here. Okay, hi, Insight Timer. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. We've got some, let's see, hi, JC. Hi, JC Moon, welcome. Hi, Anne, Claudia, Ro, I'm here. Can you hear me? Other Ro, Ro, JC, all right, Ray, here I am. Anne, nice to see you, Jenny. Nice to see you, William. Lovely, here we all are, we're all here, we're all here. Hello everyone, nice to see you. My name is Morgan, I am Splendid Yoga on this app and others and I am so excited to join you tonight to discuss how to heal from narcissism. So we're gonna get started with a full lecture in a few minutes here, but to start, I wanna acknowledge that I'm, I'm recording this on Zoom right now. So hi, hi on Zoom. Um, but if you want a copy of this, 
then you need to join my email list and then I will send you a, a recording of this video. So if you follow me, if you click on my face right over there and you join my email list, which if you click on the link in my profile, one of the first links is gonna be sign up for the Heal From Narcissism workshop, then you will be on my email list and then I will send you the recording after, I don't know, tomorrow, sometime tomorrow. We'll see when my video editor gets done with it. <laughs> so yes, it is being recorded. And yes, you should also watch live. <laughs> okay, so let's start with who all is here in, in the Insight Timer? Where are you dialing in from? And I would love to know who here identifies as a people pleaser? Who here has ever used that phrase to describe themselves or have had, heard other people describe them as people pleasers? Yeah, JG, you're a people pleaser. Hi, Jude. Hi, Jude in Texas. Nice to see you. Um, another, another way of phrasing that would be, who here is a highly sensitive person? Yes, other Morgan, majorly. Claudia, yep. Lauren, yep. Mary, codependent slash caretaker slash people pleaser. Yes, those are all three different designations. Ray is a recovering people pleaser. Yes, we were all recovering people pleasers. <laughs> Kim over there raising her hand. Yes, there it is. Um, Ro, yes, JG, empath for sure. Hi, Katie in California. Hi, Carrie. Oh, yes, Vicky. Yes, Ernest in Savannah, Georgia. Big heart, definitely a people pleaser. Yes, this is such a beautiful gift that you give to the world, and it is such torture for yourself. <laughs> um, has, has anyone here ever had the thought that maybe people pleasing isn't the healthiest thing for you, the way that you've been doing it? Maybe, maybe you've had that thought of like, why do I have no energy? Why do I feel like I'm constantly being taken advantage of? Why do I keep finding myself feeling betrayed? Why do I feel like I'm having an unequal relationship? Why do I feel like I'm not full of love and light when I know that I'm full of love and light? Why don't I feel that way? Jude says, absolutely. <laughs> Katie says, definitely me in relationships. Yes. Ray's raising her hands. Me too. Me too. So yes, everyone who's going to end up in this talk, everyone who's, walk, who's watching this is going to have some component of people pleasing to your personality type because this is the challenge that you have been given. This is the training that you have been given in this life is to learn how to set boundaries. Yay! But there's a whole other element to this that we skip a lot. And it's actually a form of spiritual bypassing. And I'm just going to wait a few more minutes here to get into the details of that. But before we dive in completely, I would love to know um, when is the last time you successfully set a boundary? I would love to know. You can give me a date, you can give me the details, but if you want to let me know in the comments, the last time you successfully set a boundary, if you ever have, <laughs> perhaps you have not yet successfully set a boundary, or perhaps you have not yet given yourself credit for how you set a boundary. Um, but a, a lot of the work that I do with my clients, I found is that they just don't know how the world doesn't teach you how to set boundaries 
The world teaches you how to destroy your boundaries so that you can serve narcissists. Do we agree? Do you agree with that? That the world is designed for narcissists <laughs> in order for them to empower themselves. So Katie says, not yes, not yet. Have you been successful in setting a boundary? Sandy says, three months ago, I fired my contractor. It was the first time I've ever fired someone. What a beautiful boundary, applauding you, Sandy. Laura, and it completely agrees. Beautiful. Okay, so here's here's the situation. Here's here's where I want to blow your mind a little bit. So for let's let's ask one more question before we dive into the meat of this. Would you say that you have been a victim of narcissism? Yes or no? Or you could serve a survivor of narcissism. Morgan says yes. Rose trying to figure it out with your daughter-in-law. June says yes. Kim yes. Lauren, JG, Marion yes. Katie, I have. Mary yes. Claudia yes. Have I been a victim of narcissism? Vicky says yes. Yes. Beautiful. All right. Ray says, boundaries have been my main focus lately. I have been setting and enforcing them a lot, getting a lot of pushback. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You know, the only people who push back against boundaries are the ones who don't benefit from them. Let me say that again. The only people who push back against boundaries are the people who don't benefit from them. And if someone doesn't benefit from your boundary, they do not belong in your life. In fact, that's a direct invitation for them to exit your life. Someone who, does, who responds to your boundary in a healthy way, that's a direct invitation for you to lower your boundary. Anyone who accepts your boundary without questioning it, two thumbs up. Anyone who questions your boundary, that's the red flag parade. Get them out of there. <laughs> Morgan has a lot of ta talent finding narcissists. Morgan, I love that we have the same name because I feel like it could be me saying that. I also have a lot of talent for finding narcissists. Here's what I figured out how to do. I make them pay me for my time. I make them hire me. <laughs> That's the only way I can deal with narcissists. Katie is co-parenting with one. I bow to you, Katie. That is a that is a journey for monks. <laughs> that is a journey for the truly enlightened. Yes. Okay. So here, here's the first thing we need to talk about. Let's dig into the lecture. First, let me tell you what we're gonna do to this, this evening. We're gonna talk about what is narcissism? What do I mean when I say narcissism? The second issue that we're gonna talk about is how do you identify a narcissist? How do you know immediately, right off the bat, oh, I'm dealing with a narcissist, okay? The third thing we're gonna talk about is, okay, so how do you heal from the trauma that narcissists have caused in your life, all right? So we're gonna give you some distinct strategies for how to heal this stuff so that you stop attracting narcissists and that you start attracting the soulmates that you really deserve. And then we're gonna go into a Q&A from there. Does that sound good? Before we dive in, do I have any questions? For when we're gonna have Q&A at the end, before we dive in, if there are any questions you guys want, otherwise we're gonna stick. We're gonna stick with that basic template and see how far we get this evening. All right, so we've got 70 people here in Insight Timer. Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Morgan. I'm Splendid Yoga here on this app and others elsewhere in the world. Uh, well, I'm a yoga teacher. That's true. What does that have to do with narcissism? <laughs> I've also, uh, I've studied Buddhism. I've studied Taoism. I'm a master's student in traditional Chinese medicine, and I'm a victim of narcissism. So I have studied it because I have suffered from it my entire life. 
So in, in my studies, I discovered, okay, first of all, here, here's the first little like flashing sign. We are all narcissists. You, my friends, are a narcissist. I am a narcissist. You are a narcissist. Narcissism is a spectrum. The spectrum is narcissism and empaths, right? So somewhere on that spectrum, the narcissism spectrum is I am the main character. I am the main person in the story. I am the son. I am the most important thing. Everything is here to support me. The empath, when you're too imbalanced on the empath side of things, it's someone else is the main story. I'm here to support them. I'm feeling everything that they're feeling and I'm doing everything in my power to bring balance to them. So in feeling too little what other people's experience are and feeling too much what other people's experience are, that's where we're in a spectrum of narcissism, okay? So we are all narcissists. We are all empaths, and I need you to agree with me on that before we move forward into how to heal from narcissism. Because if you think that narcissism exclusively exists in other people, there's, I can't do, I can't help you with that because I can't control what other people do. You cannot control what other people do. You can only control your energy, right? And even then, <laughs> even then that gets a little tricky. Right? So how do we figure out, okay, what about me is attracting narcissism, right? If you're so far on the empath spectrum that you are so willing to make someone else the main character in your story, of course, you're going to attract people who want to be the main character. The issue arises when that behavior becomes abusive. And there is a difference between narcissistic behavior and abusive behavior. Often in, in this timeline, when we're talking about narcissistic behavior, what we're actually talking about is abusive behavior. And all abusers are narcissists, but not all narcissists are abusers, okay? So if you are in an abusive relationship, if you are in a situation where someone is constantly telling you that you are not worthy, where you feel scared at all, where you feel like you cannot let your light shine, then you are in an abusive relationship. Has anyone ever been in an abusive relationship? And I'm raising my hand because I've been in a few. Yeah, Lee says, yes, yeah. We got some heart parades going over on the side here. He says, yeah, Claudia, Nita, Roe, Morgan says, unfortunately, JG, yeah, yeah. This is, a, this is a common element in this society is that you end up in an abusive relationship with a narcissist. And then as you start to heal, you're not dealing with the abusive relationship, you're just dealing with the narcissism, but it triggers the same fear response as when you were in an abusive relationship. And that abusive relationship can come from your parents as well, because so many people are dealing with narcissistic parents, parents who think they're the main story, parents who don't see their children as individuals, parents who see their children as extensions of themselves. Does anyone have that kind of parent, someone who didn't really see you as like a separate entity, but just saw you as a reflection of themselves? Yeah, Lee, Jude, Nish, 
one, one of some often it's just one of the parents because parents end up in a narcissist empath codependent relationship. Yeah, Katie says yes, totally. Ray says yes, Katie, that's your son's dad. Yeah, yeah. So let's just take a moment here to like actually literally put your hands on your heart and just acknowledge how much you survived. Just acknowledge how hard it was and how strong you had to be, how you had to grow up so fast. Just hold your heart here, knowing that other people experience this, that it's been this hard for a lot of us. So breathe in how hard that was to grow up with a narcissistic parent, to be involved in a narcissistic relationship, to escape or to be continue to be trapped in an abusive relationship with a narcissist. Just hold your heart here. Yeah. And you don't need anyone else to see it. You don't need anyone else to understand how hard it was. You know how hard it was and you can understand for everyone else how hard it is for them too. Yeah. So how do we know that we're dealing with a narcissist? <laughs> if your energy is drained after you hang out with someone, you got yourself a narcissist. <laughs> They are vampirically draining you of energy. They are using you as an audience. They are using you to validate their existence. And I bet you've done the same thing. I bet you've used other people to validate your existence. I bet you've posted something on social media hoping someone will like it. That's a narcissistic behavioral tendency. I do that. I do that every day. <laughs> I bet, I bet you've gone up to someone and, you know, told them something, hoping that they would respond a certain way, instead of just telling them something, something, leaving it open to whatever their response would be. That's a narcissistic tendency, wanting to write scripts for other people, having any expectations from anyone else is narcissistic behavior. And we all do it. I do it all day long. I bet you, does anyone else do that? Can we admit that about ourselves, that we all have these tendencies because we're human? <laughs> because it's the totally normal human response is to want people to treat you exactly how you would treat somebody else <laughs> is to want exactly to for someone to say the perfect thing at all times would that we all had a Hollywood script writer just writing these perfectly therapeutic scripts throughout our life <laughs> but the reality is though we expect that we rarely get that right and then we enter into the cycle of suffering, of disappointment, of you didn't do what I really needed because I maybe I didn't communicate clearly what I needed, right? Or maybe because I came in with the expectation of I would feel a certain way after telling you this and I don't feel that way yet. Yeah. Ray says, as much as I try not to approach situations with expectations, I definitely am guilty. Yeah, we want to be seen the way we see ourselves, says Morgan. Truly, I think that's really wise. We want to be seen the way we see ourselves unless we've been through traumatic experiences, in which case we see ourselves in not the highest self-esteem light, <laughs> in which case we want to be seen the way we see others. And that's the tendency of the, the codependent empath, right? Because we see others as, as things to love, but we don't always see ourselves 
as things to love. We see others as things to be nurtured, and we don't always see ourselves as things to be nurtured. Do we agree with that? Does anyone else have that tendency of ignoring our own needs, but seeing the needs and fulfilling the needs of other people while ignoring your own needs? Yeah. John says, I do that. I also look for attention at times. I really want to change this behavior. Yeah, Amanda says, yes. Harmony, always. Yep, Mary, yep, definitely. Ernest, completely. Lauren, yeah, Morgan, Mish, yeah, it's a slippery slope. Definitely, I agree with that, Mish. Claudia, totally. Jude, it's easier to see others' needs. That's interesting because a narcissist would never, someone who is overbalanced, someone who is overly narcissistic, would never say it's easier to see others' needs. They would never, it would never occur to them to like, they, would, they wouldn't even see someone crying on a street corner. They just don't see it. They just don't see it. <laughs> um, I worked at a bar one time for many years and my uh, the, the proprietress, the owner of the bar, preferred to hire female bartenders because she said, the boys just don't see the dust. They just don't see how dirty it can get in here. And that was very gendered and very sexist of her and probably illegal. But I, I, I saw her point of like, there are people in this world who just don't see certain elements in this world. And we need to accept that. And we kind of need to borrow from it. We need to borrow a little bit of that setting an energetic boundary of what we experience in the world so that we don't just see <laughs> the abuse so that we don't just see what everyone else needs so that we don't just see the problems that need to be fixed so that we don't just see the hardships of the world. I'm curious for those of you who identify as empaths, do you come across um, dead animals very frequently? Maybe not every day, but a few times a month you, you see a dead animal, something on the side of the road or a dead bird. Jude says yes. Yeah, anyone else, Claudia? Yes, Mary, yes. Yeah, yeah, Ray, yes, Atara, yeah, Harmony, yeah, yeah, okay. So this is gonna be, <laughs> Ernest, yes, Katie, yes. Okay, so this is gonna be one, one of our first little training strategies. Cart carry, yes, and it breaks my heart. Yes, perfect, beautiful, thank you for sharing that. Deborah, yes, very often, okay. So here's the first trick. As an empath going through this world, you are always going to see the hardships of the world, which means you will always see the death of the world. A narcissist wouldn't even notice it. They are just so stuck in their own world. They wouldn't even notice it. So we're going to borrow a little bit of that. We're going to notice it. But then we're going to look to something that's alive. Every time you see something that's passed, I want you to look up and look for a bird. Within 60 seconds, you will see a bird. I promise you. I promise you. When the next time you see a dead animal, I want you to say out loud or say to the universe, please show me a bird to show me the transformation, to show me the natural transformation of life. And you will look up and I swear, please message me when it happens. <laughs> I swear you will see an alive bird and let that serve as evidence that you are a healing narcissist, that you are a healing empath, that you are a healing codependent, those three words, I kind of use them interchangeably because they all braid together. The narcissism, the empath nature, the codependency, they're all kind of in the same realm. 
So they're not directly synonyms for each other, but they're all interrelated. If we're dealing with, with the struggles of the empath, we are also dealing with the struggles of the narcissist and codependency is, is totally wrapped up in that. Um, Carrie says, I work at a funeral home. <laughs> this might be tough. Carrie, I bet you have a ton of crows around that funeral home. Do you? Do you, do you ever see crows around that funeral home when you leave? Let's see, Jennifer said, when you're raised by someone who needed everyone to focus on her needs, I learned not to have needs. No, no, no. You learned to fulfill your own needs, Jennifer, and you learned to ignore the needs that you could not fulfill. You didn't learn to not have needs. Of course, you still have needs. Um, so anger built up and still does when I don't get anything I need out of relationships. Of course, of course, anger builds up because you're not having your needs met. So the, the step from here, and, and we'll go into this in, in just a few minutes, is how to learn how to communicate what your needs are in a way that feels really empowering. Because what so often happens is the empath who sees what everyone else needs and feels drained by it, thinks that if you ask for anything from anyone else, that is going to drain them. Does anyone feel that way? Does anyone have that experience of thinking if you ask for anything from someone that it's going to be a burden to them? Yeah, Morgan says, if my needs contradict anyone else, I feel guilty immediately. Amanda says, yes, Lauren, totally. Joey, Harmony, Jennifer, yes, Claudia. Oh my goodness, yes. Lauren, I feel like an inconvenience. Glory Mar, what a beautiful name. Yes, I feel guilty. Susan, oh yeah, me, Shkor, yes, Harmony, always give up my needs for others, Ernest, all the time, yeah, yeah. Mary says, I get an argument or denial, so hard from Susan, yeah, yeah, all this stuff is hard, oh my God, none of this is easy. We can make it easier, none of this is easy. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about guilt for a moment. Because so often when you're an imbalanced empath, when you find yourself attracting narcissists, really imbalanced narcissists, um, there's a mommy issue there. There's an element of nurturing that you were not given, that you had to give yourself, that was normalized for you, that you now give to other people. But it doesn't come from an inexhaustible source. It doesn't come from spirit. It comes from the ego story of, I have to do this or I will not survive. I have to learn how to take care of myself or I literally will die. <laughs> Susan, are you agreeing with me? Is this blowing your mind? Is this accurate? Who's got mommy issues in here? Who's got a mommy issue? <laughs> Katie, my mom is a covert narc slash victim slash savior. A lot of martyrs. Yeah, a lot of narcissist martyrs. Lori Mar, yeah, feeling it. So how, how do we heal that? Knowing how strong we are, knowing how strong you are, knowing that you can provide for yourself, that you don't really need anyone else, right? But that's so hard. That's so heavy. That's so unfair to yourself. <laughs> okay. So, so let's, let's go back to this, this original point of how do we identify who a narcissist is? It's going to feel like you're talking to your mom. <laughs> it's going to feel like a drain. It's going to feel like I need to censor myself because if I trigger anything here, 
I'm going to be in danger. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mary said, I didn't realize how much tough emotions were not tolerated by mom, that it's such a beautiful way to put it, because that's really what's going on here when we're dealing with a narcissist parent. And I say mommy issues. Of course, you can have a narcissist dad as well. It's just when we're seeing these replicate themselves in relationships, normally we're dealing primarily with a mommy issue. The daddy issue comes in when we're dealing with like being provided for, but we're dealing with being nurtured right now, right? So when we're dealing with a mommy narcissist issue, you had to learn at such a young age how to provide for yourself that you learned how to repress any sort of negative stigma emotion right? Anything that might emit a reaction from someone else that isn't pleasant. And even like positive stigma emotions, like happiness and excitement can, can rub a narcissist the wrong way. Because if they're not in the mood for it, then they're just going to like shut you down no matter what, right? So it's just this dull, this dulling of your spirit. So the trick then, what do you do that makes you feel like, like yourself? And I would love to know, tell me in the comments, what do you do in your life today, right now in this era that makes you feel most like yourself, most like your empowered self, most like your childhood self who could just scream and cry and laugh and do whatever they wanted and not give a hoot what anyone thought of it. <laughs> Lauren says dancing, beautiful. JC says going for a walk. Yeah. Oh, Susan, I was raised to smile, even if it kills you. You know, a therapist once gave me homework one time. This was so good to only smile when I wanted to. Because I would be telling her about all these traumatic things that happened to me and I'd be smiling about it, telling her and then and then that and then I was robbed at gunpoint and then I was sexually assaulted and then this and then that. And she said, you know, you're smiling about this but I'm not smiling. This isn't something I wanna smile about. Why do you think you're smiling? And I was like, because my dad told me that I should look pleasant. <laughs> because my dad told me that as a female presenting person, I should look pretty and I should look inviting and I should look like everything's okay. And you know what I learned? That sometimes I need to look like a fucking bitch that when I relax my face and don't have any expression whatsoever, I find a sense of power that I respect in myself more than the pretty girl, more than the girl who says, it's okay, it's okay. Whatever you wanna do to me, it's okay because I can have this face and I can mask anything and I can handle anything because I've had to handle everything and I can look pretty while I'm doing it. But I prefer my life like this. I prefer my life looking people in the eye and feeling exactly how I want to feel, not how they want me to feel. And I've had to learn how to be okay with people not liking my face like this. I've had to learn how to be okay with people hearing this tone in my voice and not being okay with it. And I've had to learn to say, you're getting my business tone right now because I mean business. And if you don't want to hear it, you can leave, but I'm not going anywhere. And it's from that place, <laughs> it's from finding places where I can feel most empowered, singing karaoke, I love that, playing with my son, yeah. Let me go through some of these other examples here. Meditation, listening to music, dancing, reading, playing with my kids, laughing, 
meditating, exercising, singing, dancing, swimming in the lake. A lot of dancers in here. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Hugging a horse. Oh, horses are so powerful. As a vegan, I cannot recommend riding horses. I don't recommend that. But the equine power, whew, I was a horse girl. I had horses growing up. <laughs> there is nothing more empowering than the relationship with a horse. Yeah, learning how to move your body in space, learning how to take up. In fact, can we all do this right now? Can you all just like spread your arms out and like open your chin, open your throat, open your heart and just take up space? Because the narcissists in the world want the empaths to take up less space. And so we're gonna learn from the narcissist how to take up space, how to be the main character in your own story. Katie, I love you too. I'm glad I'm speaking to your soul. It's because you're here. I'm just channeling messages that you will need. No worries. <laughs> so allow yourself here to take up some space, physically stretch your arms out, energetically allow your aura to fill the room, knowing that it will only benefit people. It's only going to benefit people. Even the people who are like, you're too much, and they leave. That only benefits them because they get to go find the people they should be hanging out with. And you get to make space for the people who are really going to be enthused by your energy. Are you guys ready to like expand? Are you ready to stop making yourself small to fit into someone else's story? Anyone? <laughs> I just wanna make sure we're on the same page. Yes, Jude, yes, Katie's so ready. Ray, heck yes, Mary, yes. Susan, thank goodness my daughter is like that. Yes, Jean, yes, yes, Susan, Harmony, yes. Okay, all right. So we, we kind of know a little bit about how to identify the narcissists in our lives, right? They're gonna drain us of energy. So what, what's the next step? How do we eliminate the narcissist from our life? So whether you're dealing with blood family, whether you're dealing with a parent, whether you're dealing with a husband, whether you're dealing with a friend, whether you're dealing with a grocery store clerk that you just have to see every week, you cannot control what they do. You cannot change anything about their behavior, okay? There is nothing that you can do to change anything about their behavior, but you can change your behavior. Here are the key phrases that you're gonna need as you move through this next phase of eliminating those toxic relationships to make space for the really expansive relationships, the relationships that make you wanna just stretch out your arms and hug the world. Yeah. Susan said, a friend told me, I cannot control anything outside of my hula hoop. I like that. Yeah, that's about, that's about your aura space, the hula hoop's distance away. <laughs> um, with manifestation, you can learn how to do that, but that's a different, that's a different lecture. <laughs> so here, here are the key phrases you're gonna to wanna to use. No, that's it, that's the one. <laughs> no, there's more to it. Um, I'm not interested. No, thank you. That's not for me. Please don't contact me anymore. I see why that's appropriate for you. That is not appropriate for me. This is making me uncomfortable. You are making me feel uncomfortable and I'm going to ask you to leave. Please leave. I don't wanna be around you anymore. I'm just not that into this. 
Um, I'm open to being friends, but I can't have this conversation right now. Can we schedule this in the future? Uh, I don't want you to be anywhere near me. Get away, step back, move away. What are you doing? This is making me uncomfortable. Do you want me to feel uncomfortable? Because what you're doing right now is it feels uncomfortable, okay? So calling things out for what, for what you're feeling, all right? And I know the phrase making me feel is a little tricky because no one can make you feel a certain way, but they sort of can. If you're an empath with bad boundaries, then you're gonna feel what they feel. So if they push past your boundaries and get too close for you to the point where you feel uncomfortable, you have to put your hands up, physically put your hands up, not to push them or touch them, but just to create this like no closer, no closer than this. And then you give your no, whether it's just that those two letters, no. Look them straight in the eye, no, no, no. You see how I'm kind of looking away after I say no? You gotta keep looking at it after, no. And you have to practice it. Can you? Can we all say it out loud together? You can put your hands up. It's a really powerful thing to say. No. No. You can get to the point where you just do it with a look. I was at a bar in San Francisco one time reading a book. I knew a bunch of people there, but I was kind of just doing my own thing. And this guy came up to talk to me and I just kind of looked up like this. And I looked back down at my book and he walked away and the whole bar burst out laughing. <laughs> And I was so proud of myself because I'd gotten so good at saying no, that I could just do it with a look and I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> Lori says, I'm gonna practice in the mirror. Yes, yes, this is a wonderful thing to practice in the mirror. But here's the thing, we practice saying no to the narcissist, but we do that so that we can make room for the yes, okay? Because it's not just about the no, it's all about what we want to eliminate for what we want to bring in. Yes? Yeah? So let's talk about that. Tell me in the comments, what do you want to bring in? What do you want to bring in that, that healing from narcissism has held you back from, that being involved with people who are narcissists, that having narcissistic parents have held you back from? What is it that you think that, that this narcissistic spectrum issue is holding you back from? And what is it that you would most like to welcome in? Jean says, self-confidence. Yeah, Richard says, my joy. Yes, inner power for Glory Mark. Confidence for Deborah. your authentic self for Rahul. Susan says, my own power. It's okay to follow my own dreams. Not only is it okay, we are begging you. <laughs> we are begging you, Susan, to follow your dreams. <laughs> Katie says, emotional balance. Erin's going to find her voice. Katie wants a new relationship, new adventures, and confidence. Carrie says, being my true self, David, is the freedom to be myself. Yes, confidence. Yes. Okay. So let's start with confidence. Here's how you gain confidence. Sit up tall, shoulders back, tits up, chin tucks, look them straight in the eye. Here's one of my favorite tricks for testing how confident I'm feeling. This is a trick from one of my narcissist ex-boyfriends. They are good for something. <laughs> we were in New York and the sidewalks were so crowded back in the pre-pandemic days. And I was just like bobbing and weaving and trying to like, trying to figure out how to cut through all the people to get where we were going. 
and he was just kind of walking straight and aligned. And I was like, how, how do you do this? How are you doing this? And he said, shoulders square, eyes just above their head. The people will part like Moses parting the waters. And you guys, you don't know this about me because you don't see me in person. I am tiny. <laughs> However tall you think I am, subtract 12 inches. I am 5'1". I am very small. <laughs> I have a big aura, but I have a small uh, stature. <laughs> so I'm in New York with, you know, 500 people on a block. And we're like, he's trained me. It's like, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Shoulders forward, eyes just above their heads. You're going to walk straight through them. And it worked and it worked and everyone just moved out of the way and as soon as my eye contact drifted someone would hit me in the shoulder but if my eye contact was straightforward if I knew exactly where I was going and I didn't even see those other people and they could feel me not seeing them they would all move out of the way that's how narcissists feel all the time <laughs> So we're going to borrow some of that energy. If you live in a crowded city and it's safe with the pandemic, I offer that to you as an exercise to build your confidence. Find a crowded space of people moving towards you, eyes just above them, shoulders square, just walk. They will all move out of your way, I swear. <laughs> Other ways that you can build your confidence. Test your intuition. Test your self-trust. Go to the grocery store without a list. <laughs> Does that make anyone else panic a little bit of like, but how will I know what to get? <laughs> but what if I forget something? Ooh. Um, test your intuition by putting yourself in situations where you need to accomplish something but you're gonna give yourself credit that you don't need to plan how to accomplish that. Because if you go to the grocery store and you buy food and you get back, of course, you're not gonna get everything. You didn't buy the whole store. You may not get everything you intended to get, but you're probably gonna get enough food until the next time you have to go to the store, right? You're gonna get some and you're probably gonna forget some stuff. But even when you have a list, you forget some stuff or they're out of stock or they just don't have it, right? Yeah, Mary, and then go back for the milk, the vegan milk, Mary. <laughs> exactly, Gory Mark. But you trusted yourself, and that is the win, right? So it's like if I go to the store wanting to make a recipe, I forget the recipe, and I buy all the stuff except for one ingredient, I trust myself that I can probably make that recipe work without that one ingredient. Or I trust myself that maybe this wasn't the recipe for me to make tonight, and there's something else I need to make, right? But you trust yourself that it's not that you did something wrong. By not, by not remembering to buy that one thing. It's that you just didn't need it. You just didn't need it right then. You thought, your past self thought maybe you needed it, but you, you, you're gonna be just fine without it. Um, Susan says, I never have a list and end up buying way too much. Okay, Susan, so for you, for you, the challenge would be intuitively is perhaps bring just enough bags for how much you think you need, right? Or bring just enough money for how much you think you need. And like ask your intuition as you're preparing for it. Like, how much do I think I'm gonna buy? How much do I really need? Like, do I need three bags of groceries or two bags of groceries? Okay, I'm just gonna bring two bags. I'm gonna see if I was right when I get to the cash register. Something to give you an element of what you think is gonna happen and then what actually happens and then allowing it to be perfect no matter what happens, right? That's, that's the whole point is to build the self-trust that even though things didn't go as you planned, you still accomplished 
feeding yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, Susan says, I never follow recipes either. That's funny, me neither. Um, I'm one of those people who's like, I made a new recipe, but I didn't do, I didn't use any of the ingredients or the instructions. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about how to identify narcissists. You're gonna feel drained of energy after you hang out with them. We've talked about how to kind of build a, a little bit of an energetic boundary to narcissists, to learn how to trust yourself, to learn how to listen to yourself so that you're not hearing the outside noise exclusively, right? Because it's so easy to put on someone else's life like a jacket and just live in their world for a little while, but it does not serve. It doesn't serve us. Yeah. Peter says, great laugh. Thank you. I do have a great laugh. It's true. I'm known for it. <laughs> I was once, um, this is a fun story. Um, ooh, we have 200 people in here. That's wonderful. So I, I went to a yoga retreat in Costa Rica several years ago. And literally five years later, I was in um, a wine tasting room in Santa Barbara. And someone comes over to me and says, Morgan. And I said, Brittany? And she said, I wasn't sure it was you, except for your laugh. I heard your laugh and I knew it was you. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay. So... Let me, let me just take a little pause right here. We're about halfway through. Does anyone have any questions about what we've been talking about so far, about how to identify narcissists, about how to build, a start be, just to begin to build that little bit of, of an energetic barrier about the difference between narcissism and abuse around the idea that we all have narcissistic tendencies, that we all have codependent tendencies, that this is a challenge for all of us. Susan is laughing with me. Excellent. Good. Yes, that's one of the best parts about my laugh. It is infectious, not unlike a pandemic. <laughs> okay. So we've got we've got to move on to, to this, this deeper, this deeper layer of healing. <laughs> Susan never lulls. Well, get ready, friend. It's starting for you. <laughs> um, we've got to move on to this deeper. Let's see. Yes, here's here's the, here's the wonderful question. Beautiful segue. Deborah asks, can a narcissist still be a friend? I don't know, Deborah. can they? Do you have any narcissist friends? I do. I have tons of narcissist friends. I love them. Most of them pay me money to hang out with me. Most of them end up being clients in some capacity. That's the boundary that I have with narcissists. And I'm dating in LA right now, so I experience a lot of narcissists. <laughs> And I, I am now at the point where I can know within a few minutes of like, this, this guy needs to pay me if I'm going to spend time with him, because I know I'm going to be drained of energy after I spend time with them. But if they pay me for it, then there's going to be, there's a little bit more of an equitable value system. Now I'm a Capricorn, so I try to monetize everything. So that doesn't work for everyone, <laughs> but it also is in my line of work as a healer. Anyone who comes to me as a narcissist is coming to me to be awakened. They're coming to me for healing. Whether they're ready to accept it or not is a different story. Whether they're ready to pay for it or not is a different story. <laughs> but that is how I have learned how to deal with narcissism, is to set up some sort of boundary. Once I realize it, is to say, you know what? This is the type of relationship that you can have with me. So can a narcissist be a friend? Yes, absolutely. But you, it is your responsibility to set the boundary. And you can tell them why. In fact, it would be so beneficial for yourself, for you to tell them why. 
and I try to be honest about this in my work. And, and when I'm working with someone and when I'm meeting someone who expects one relationship from me and I'm like, I, I, gotta, I gotta move them over into this relationship, right? I'll explain to them, you're not gonna fulfill my needs. I can see that. But I can also see that, you, that, that I, I might be able to help you. Would you be interested in talking about how we can work together? And that's a clear yes or no. If they're ready, sure, tell me what that would look like. If they're not, no, all right, see ya. So nice to meet you. have a great life. So easy. All right, let's go through some of these, let's go through some of these comments. Um, so Susan just moved out of LA to NorCal. That's where I'm from, NorCal. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, so many narcissists in LA. And in some ways, that's really beautiful. In some ways, um, the, the, the element of being the main character in your own story is so powerful. One of my friends told me when I was talking about how different it is dating men in LA, he said, you know, the only difference that I've noticed for people in LA is that they really know what they want. And when he gave me that information, I thought, actually, that's true. And that's pretty awesome. The only time it becomes an issue is if what you want is going to hurt someone else or if what you want isn't going to help someone else. Because so often what the narcissist wants only helps them. And what the empath wants only helps other people. <laughs> so that's where we have to find the balance between narcissism and the codependent empath nature of something that both helps you and helps your community. Can we agree with that? Can we agree that that's, that's what we're trying to achieve here? Every action that we make, every breath that we take, the work that we do, the, the relationships that we, we develop, they should create expansion within ourselves, expansion within the other people that we're interacting with, expansion within the community, expansion within our worlds, the universe, right? We're constantly looking for bigger and bigger uh, ways to understand the entire spectrum of this crazy human experience, right? And anytime we experience contraction, which happens when you're dealing with with narcissists without any sort of energetic boundary protection that happens in abusive relationships, that happens growing up with, with traumatic uh, childhoods, with parents who didn't have any resources or how to truly prepare and nurture a child developing in this crazy, difficult and dangerous world, right? So you have to allow yourself the grace to develop those skills and then allow other people the grace to not have those skills. <laughs> That's the tricky part. <laughs> okay, let me catch up on these comments. Um, Gloria Mar, I'm so happy to empower you. Yes, make money, but share your healing energy. Absolutely. Richard says, I do that too in a non-monetary way, but you call it the power of restitution. I think that's a lovely way of putting it. It's more about how I spend my energies when you can have an alliance, it can work without wanting anything. Yeah, so, so th this is a, another interesting point in terms of how you allow narcissists into your life. And then, especially if you've had a history of dealing with narcissists where you're just so drained, you're just like, how could I possibly have any energy from here? How could I possibly open my heart to anyone else when it's just been so betrayed and so painful and so taken advantage of for so long. That's where you have to meditate on bringing in your healers, on bringing in your empaths to be your kindness for you, to be your strength for you, right? Because this is not something you can heal by yourself. All healing is self-healing, but we need people to hold space 
for what we're doing, right? For what we're trying to heal. So when we're talking about in terms of where you can make space for a narcissist that you want to have in your life for whatever reason it is, right? Because they're showing some sign of progress, because they're family and you feel an obligation to them, because you feel they are serving you in some way. If you feel that you have a need that this person in your life is not fulfilling, it is your responsibility as a spiritual warrior to have that need fulfilled by someone else, okay? It is so unfair for us to expect all of our needs to be filled by one person. When we're talking about the kind of Disney World relationship of a marriage of, you know, finding your other half and you're happily ever after. No, no, no. None of that is a thing. None of that exists. You are a whole and complete spiritual being having a human experience. The only issue is that you have been sold a lie your entire life, that you are separate from everything else, and that what you are experiencing is individual to yourself, when the truth is that you are inherently connected to all of the energy in the universe. And if you're an empath, you can feel it very easily. And if you're naturally more narcissistic, you have to do a little bit more work to feel that connection, but you will create a false connection to replace it. Does that make sense? If you're falling more on the narcissistic side of things, you will create false connections to replace the oneness that your soul is actually entitled to. So how will you replace it? You replace it with addiction. A lot of narcissists have tendencies towards addiction. That's where there's a big Venn diagram. And we're talking about narcissists and empaths. We're also talking about addicts and codependents. Does anyone here work in the recovery world? Does anyone here in Al-Anon or AA or CODA? Um, I know we have a lot of crossover with Insight Timer and, and the recovery world. Isabella's in AA. Thank you, Susan. Yes, yes, beautiful Tracy. Yes, Amy AA. Thank you. Yes. Mary, 70 clean and sober. Beautiful work. Beautiful work. Yeah. So what I really love about the recovery world is that it's not about the contractive idea of, okay, let's just not drink and do drugs and have sex anymore. <laughs> no. The, the sobriety world is all about your brutal honesty. It's all about shining a light on the darkness in your soul, the things that you are ashamed of, that you have to drink or smoke or fuck or get into someone else's main story to avoid your own shit. So sobriety is all about being brutally honest with what you're working towards, with being brutally honest about the things that bring you shame so that they become a source of empowerment. Do you think that's possible? Have you ever seen that transformation in someone else or in yourself where something that brought them so much shame eventually became something that brought them so much empowerment? Mary says, yes. Katie says, I'm an empath, codependent, and NAA. It's a beautiful combination, very common. Yes? Yeah. So 
let me clear the space for the next next stage here. <laughs> Susan's raising her hand for her hands. Yes. Oh, I think I need some water. Oh my gosh, I've been talking a lot. I'm talking for almost an hour here. <laughs> okay. Let me go back to my, my program here. We've talked about how to identify narcissists. We've talked about the, the initial healing that you can do to set that boundary. We've, we've started to talk about the deeper spiritual healing that you can do to eliminate this, or to, well, I guess not eliminate, to balance this spectrum. Yeah. Susan says, daddy was an alcoholic. So over the last 40 years of his life, the change was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the beautiful things about this healing process, especially if you have a parent who was an addict or a narcissist or a combination thereof, is the more healing you do in and of yourself, the more you'll see it flood out into your blood family, into your community. And I've seen this myself in my own family of codependents and narcissists and addicts, is the more I step away from needing to fix everything, the more freedom I give my family, my friends, my clients, my students to learn how to heal themselves. So for me, as an empath healer who feels everything, <laughs> what I have given myself permission to do to allow narcissists to flow through my life in a way that feels like I don't have to say no, that contracted no to everything, but in a way that allows me to feel expansion even as I set a boundary, is to give myself permission to let other people have their journey. <laughs> I have to give myself permission to let other people have their journey. That's how I know I too am a narcissist. <laughs> Even though I am a super empath. <laughs> I too have to give myself permission to let people be the main characters in their own story and to have their own path. Because when I see people, what I see is everything that I could fix. It's so codependent. It is not healthy. It is something that I have gone to therapy for years for. But it's not, it's not something that I can resist because that resistant cre resistance creates suffering. So instead, when I encounter a narcissist, I think market research. <laughs> What can you tell me about yourself where I'm going to have the instinct of how do I fix this, but I'm not going to try to fix it in you. I'm going to use this to write a blog post that I'm going to give to my community. I'm going to use this to put together a course that I'm going to give to my community. I'm going to use this to talk to my therapist to heal my own stuff. Because if someone's talking to me about something and it's triggering an emotional reaction in me, I know that has nothing to do with them. And I know that has everything to do with something that I need to heal within myself. And so I am going to honor that. And I am going to make space for that to happen. And I'm not going to take it out on the person who's triggering it, right? Because that's not fair. All right, Mary, you're nine weeks into a 10-week intensive program. They're going to help you establish boundaries with your employer. Mary, Tell me, let's do this in one minute. Tell me, what's the problem of establishing boundaries with your employer? Why can't you establish boundaries with your employer? Let's start with that. <laughs> hmm. Thank you all so much for being here. We've got 252 people in here. Let's do a, a, a brief reintroduction and then we'll move on to this final stage here. 
Um, hi everyone, my name is Morgan Balavage. I'm Splendid Yoga here on this app and elsewhere. I'm here in Los Angeles. It is hot here in July. <laughs> and we're talking about how to heal from narcissism, specific strategies for how to heal from the trauma of narcissism, acknowledging that we too are narcissists because narcissism is a spectrum. We're somewhere on the narcissist empath spectrum. Um, okay, so Mary says, too much work, so you need to learn how to say no. We practice that good. I have half the work of a six-person team. When I argue, I lose. Mary, if you weren't getting paid for this job, would you do this work? Would you do this work for free? Tracy says, boundaries are for you, not the other. Tracy, boundaries are for everyone. Boundaries are such a gift for other people. Boundaries are such a gift for the person you're setting boundaries with. I love it when people set boundaries with me. I love it when someone says, I'm not gonna go there. And I love it when I set a boundary with someone else and they say, I respect that. And I love it when I set a boundary and they try to push it. And I say, you gotta get out of here. Boundaries are for everyone, yeah. So Mary says, says no, you're ready for early retirement if they don't like me taking it to the boss's boss. Mary, why aren't you retiring? Why, why aren't you retiring? You've been asking for help for years unanswered. It's because you got to help yourself, my dear. How are you going to help yourself? <laughs> Empaths, stop asking for help. Empaths, start demanding help. And if someone won't give you help, you leave, you go find someone else who will give you the help that you need. Mary says, less money is the only reason now that I'm clean. Okay. Mary, I hope you'll message me. <laughs> we, we gotta work on this. So if you're working in a toxic work environment where they're giving you more and more work and you do not feel like you can say no, then you just stop doing the work until they fire you. Or you find a new job and you quit. Or you start your own business. Or you just stop going to work, you office space it. Here's what's interesting about patriarchal capitalism and working. Are you working in the corporate world or the nonprofit world, Mary? Um, either way, the, the interesting thing is that the less work you do, the more money you make. Have you noticed that? And I'm talking about like the, the government job. Ugh, yeah, get out of there, Mary, get out of there. <laughs> Mary, you will never get the support you need from a government job. If you have a sole mission to work in government and to enact that change slowly but surely, if you have the patience for bureaucracy, more power to you, keep fighting that fight. We love government employees. Everyone in my family works for the government. I am so appreciative. I could never do it. I could never do it. I could never do it. <laughs> um, I, I could never do it because I cannot be beholden to someone else's expectations of when I should be somewhere and what I should do with that time when I show up and what I should wear when I show up, right? And, and how my hair should look and what my face should look like and what words I should say and what computer program I should, I, no, I don't want anyone to tell me that. And when I see some inequity or some inefficiency and I say, we need to change this and it takes six years for a change to happen, I have no patience for that. 
right? Mary, you said it yourself, you're denying yourself. Why are you denying yourself? And what are you denying? What would you rather do? What would you do for free? What would you wake up and be excited to do for free? And who told you that you have to do this work? Who told you you have to do anything to be worthy? This is a big problem with, with the super empaths in this world. Does anyone else have this feeling that you have to do something to be worthy in this world? That you have to accomplish something or make a certain amount of money or have a certain title or look a certain way to be worthy of love, of respect, that there's an action that you need to take to be deserving of your birthright of love. Kate says, yes, Charlotte says, yes. All the exclamation points, Katie says all the time. When I look at my chihuahua, <laughs> Ray measures the productivity, your worthiness by your productivity. Susan says, Lottie, oh yes. Deborah says, how does that happen? That those that do little and are even bad at that get promoted, good old boys club, no. It's not the good old boys club because I played it. I was one of those people who saw that trick and was like, I'm just going to stop showing up and see what happens. <laughs> and you know what they did? They doubled my salary. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Then they laid me off and gave me a fat severance. And I started this business and I've been so happy ever since then. But I have found that that is true in my business as well that the less that I do, the more I am rewarded for it. Because when I am really being mindful of myself, when I am really taking good care of myself, I only really need to work about two or three hours a day to make enough money to make my life work. And that's been true for all of my clients. When you are doing soul aligned work, it requires you to spend most of your day taking care of yourself instead of most of your day making someone else money. I didn't like spending most of my day making someone else money. It made me really unhappy and it caused me to make terrible decisions. <laughs> but I really like making myself money. I really like helping other people make money. Other healers, let me qualify that, quantify that. I really love making other healers make money. But I didn't love making rich white dudes make money. I like learning from them. So why does that happen to the people who work less make more money? It's because they spend their time networking and making connections instead of doing the actual work. They spend their time delegating and telling other people what to do because they're the main character and they get to tell other people what to do. And they get to determine how much their time is worth too. They make a decision and they say, I need to make this much money. And then they demand it until someone pays them that much money and they don't settle for less than that. And they prove themselves over and over again, not necessarily by the metrics of like, this is how much I produced, but by the metrics of this is how much you like me. So when you say good old boys club, you could kind of compare it to like, yeah, just how much people like you. And you can manipulate people into liking you, but that doesn't feel that great to me. So for me, it was more about finding the work that gets me actually excited to do it, that I get out of bed, like, oh, I get to go live on Insight Timer today, I'm so excited. Oh, I get to work with all my clients today, I'm so excited. 
And I wake up at 4 a.m. excited to do that instead of dragging myself out of bed at 9 a.m. already an hour late to go sit in an office and stare at a spreadsheet for eight hours and make someone else $100,000 in a day. That didn't serve my soul. That served my narcissist boss's soul. (laughs) So giving yourself permission to learn from the narcissists without indulging in narcissism is true self-mastery, right? Giving yourself permission to be the main character in your story while allowing everyone else to be the main characters in their stories. That's what really gives you the spiritual freedom that your soul is craving. That's what gives you the ability (laughs) to be discerning about who you allow into your life. And that's, that's the next thing we need to talk about here is discernment, how to understand who it is that's going to be a healer in your life and who it is that's going to be a lesson. (laughs) Okay. um, Let's see. Mary is so glad you found this live session. Thank you for being here. I don't know exactly what I want to do anymore other than not be miserable at work. Yeah. That's so contractive, Mary. Mary, come to my event tomorrow, the Rumi Oracle card reading, or shoot me a message. Um, Oh, I can help you with this. Uh, Richard, thank you. Yes, thank you for saying that. Susan says, Morgan, I hear you. However, how do you do it? I'm on my dream past last job, a little worried it's too too good to be true. Acceptance and boundaries, question mark, exclamation point. So, okay, be a little bit more specific here, Susan. How do you do what? How do you accept that you're living your dream life? How do you allow it to continue to happen? How do you accept it? Gratitude, gratitude for all of it. Thank you, thank you. Yes, this is what I ordered. This is what I ordered. I want more of this. Thank you, thank you universe. I love, I love how this is going. When you experience something in your life, when you, when you create a shift in your life and it's creating positive energy, it's giving you energy, you say, thank you, more of this, please, more of this, I love this. And when you have something that's a lesson, that's challenging, that's draining you of energy, you say, thank you for this. This is not what I ordered. <laughs> I'm gonna send this back. I, I want something else on the menu. <laughs> and you learn the lesson and you make a different choice. So how do you do it? You constantly study yourself. You make a choice and you say, did that bring me the positive energy that I want to be feeling? Did that make my heart feel open and expansive? Did that make me excited for what's gonna happen next? Or did that make my heart close up with fear? Did that send my thoughts into a cyclical spiral of worried thoughts? And then you make a choice. If it sent your heart wide open, you make that same choice again, or you make that same choice and it and something better, right? Something additional. So an example of that would be, if I go to yoga every day, my heart opens and I feel great. So I make the choice to go to yoga again and again and again. If I go to yoga and meditate afterwards in the park, I feel amazing. I feel even better. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep adding on practices like that, that open my heart. And I'm going to use these practices as my baseline, 
right? That's why it's the practice. That's why it's the training to see, okay, this is what it feels like to be at this baseline. So I know if anything lowers me from this baseline, this is narcissism, this is patriarchy, this is not for me. If it raises me above this baseline, more of that. Now my baseline's up here, right? All right, let's see. Um, Susan, this makes sense for you. Good, thank you. I am grateful you found me too. Ray says, yes, Mary and Susan, you want to do something other than the corporate job. You don't know how to begin finding something I want to do that fills me up while sharing my light with others slash helping people who have been in similar situations. Ray, won't you please reach out to me? This is what I help people do all day is find their spirit's passion and then make money from it and make more money than you are making at your corporate job. This is my mission in this world of destroying patriarchal capitalism. I love it. It's really fun. Okay. Um, so let's kind of dig into, does everyone feel really clear about, do you feel like you have the strategies from here about how to deal with the narcissistic tendencies within yourself, the narcissistic tendencies around you within your, with, yeah, yeah, Susan's feeling it. Jennifer is getting what you need and feeling less anxious is worth it to me, but it's hard to know where to start. Well, Jennifer, it, it starts with um, just observing in yourself where your baseline is, where your baseline of energy is that you want it to be, and then noticing the things that lower it and the things that raise it up. That's, that's where it starts. Just the noticing. All you have to do is observe. That's it. You just have to observe. Most of the time, you don't have to do much more than that. Has anyone here um, ever learned to ride a motorcycle? And when you're riding a motorcycle, all you have to do is look where you want to go and the bike just goes. You don't have to think, okay, turn the wheel just this much and you're going to go that way. No, no, no. You just look where you want to go and everything else kind of lines up and goes in that direction. It's the same thing with this kind of work. You just kind of look where you want to go. You're like, okay, that's the energy I want. That's the direction I'm headed. And everything else starts to line up and head you in that direction. All right. Beautiful. Let's see. Carrie could so use my insight slash guidance about fulfilling work. Carrie, please reach out to me in the messages or email me, or you can all schedule um, a, a session with me, a discovery call with me. They're complimentary. It's a gift to the community. If you go check out my, my profile, if you click on my face right over there, you can, if you can follow me, you can go check out my profile. You can click on the link in my profile and you can schedule a free 45 minute discovery call with me. Just a little gift from me to you. We'll just talk about if it makes sense for us to continue our work together, if it makes sense for you to hire me, or I'll just give you some resources that already exist and we'll go from there. Um, Deborah says, not sure about dealing with narcissistic tendencies in myself. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Okay. Um, Mary loves the motorcycle analogy. Good. Yes. I love motorcycles. Um, yeah. Also needed the session and is trying to figure out what to do with your life career. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Deborah, in terms of not being sure about dealing with the narcissistic tendencies in yourself, do you observe specific narcissistic tendencies within yourself that you're not sure how to heal? Or are you having a hard time seeing any sort of narcissism in yourself? Like it's just hard for you to see that as, as, as something that's on your spectrum. Kathy says, I love capitalism. Have you listened to Dr. Jordan Peterson's talk, Patriarchy? I haven't, Kathy. I would love for you to send it to me. I'll try to remember to Google it after this. Deborah, it's hard to see it. It's hard to see it. Okay, so um, let, let me give you an example of, of healthy narcissism. A healthy narcissistic tendency would be um, passing yourself 
in a reflection, looking at yourself and being like, damn, I look good. <laughs> All right. It's like an external validation. You're giving yourself the external validation. So that's why it's a little bit healthier than like just putting yourself out there, hoping you're going to get all the cat calls. That's just pure unhealthy narcissism, but it's also just good self-esteem, right? It's just like, you're going to, instead of like catching a glimpse of yourself and being like, Oh God, what do I look like? What am I wearing? <laughs> um, so that would be like, like a, a healthy narcissism to notice in yourself. An unhealthy narcissism would be like, I look better than everyone else in here. So they should just go kill themselves. <laughs> that would be an unhealthy narcissistic tendency. <laughs> but I have I have a feeling, Deborah, that that's not your situation. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so let's let's move into some of these specific situations that you guys are talking about. Normally, when we're talking about narcissism, we're talking about like often we're talking about romantic relationships. Um, like Debu was saying, I was married to a narcissist for 20 years. It's been difficult to be alone and you're discovering the same tendencies in you. So how to heal. Okay. So tell me when you're saying you're discovering the same tendencies in you, do you mean that you're discovering the tendencies that you considered in him to be narcissistic or you're discovering yourself running through this pattern again of supporting and a narcissist? Um, Deborah says, I do think I dance better than others. Deborah, you do you're the best. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, I think I'm the best dancer in any room. Of course, when I'm singing karaoke, I'm like, I should definitely have a recording contract. I, I, I require that level of self-esteem to get through the day. <laughs> but you're not saying because I'm the best dancer, no one else should dance, right? You're not like, everyone else should just be looking at me. No one, I should just be like the center of the attack. I should be on stage. And everyone else should just be sitting there adoring me. That's the unhealthy narcissism. So Debu says, yes, you're doing the same things as him. Debu, give me an example. What is something that that you are doing that was that was harmful when when he did it to you that you're now doing to other people or you're now doing it to yourself? And I would love to know from some of you who are like, I'm, I'm looking for another job. I'm in a, I'm in a toxic career relationship. It's a, a little bit related to what we're talking about today, but. But tell me more about what it is that you think is holding you back from fulfilling your soul's purpose, from finding work that feels really fulfilling. Hi, JC. JC, you have a narcissist husband. You've been together for 27 years. It's getting better once I recognized it. JC, please share. What has helped you in 27 years of being married to a narcissist? What has made this possible for you? And hopefully not just possible, but like what has made this um, a, a empowering experience for you. Um, Susan is learning so much. Oh, good. I'm glad. Ro has a daughter-in-law narcissist who's manipulative, holding the grandchild hostage. How to handle? Ro, I have some good information for you. Don't talk to your daughter-in-law anymore. Only talk to your. Uh, is it your son or your daughter? Um, your, your gender neutral child who's married to this person, um, only communicate with them. Do not talk to your daughter-in-law anymore. Do not engage. Talk to your child and tell your child, I want to have a relationship with my grandchild. How can we make that happen? 
That's it. That's how you handle it. Um, Carrie says, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to find it. I don't know how to make the same money. Carrie, what did you love to do as a child? How can you find someone to pay you to do that? How to make the same money? Carrie, somebody just got paid like $1.3 million on Twitch for playing video games. You can make money doing literally anything and you will make more money doing work that you love. I promise you. Um, Let's see, so Jace's advice. Once I realized that you were married to a narcissist, I educated myself. I didn't let him do it to me anymore. JC, how did you educate yourself? Did you go to therapy? Did you read a book? Did you join a support group? Let's get really specific about things that other people can do to help themselves through the same situation. And JC, I walk away when needs to be. Yeah, I love him to pieces. He's just gotten it from his family tree. Yeah, so this is why I, I feel really powerfully about pointing out that like, we are all somewhere on this narcissist spectrum. We've all inherited this generational trauma. We've all inherited this, inherited this patriarchal programming about who it is that we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to communicate, right? So th there's, a, there's a management to this relationship. It's not like you have to isolate yourself or protect yourself exclusively. You're always going to be dealing with an element of patriarchal narcissism, of I'm the main character, I'm the best. And that means that I have to take something away from someone else in order for my life to work, right? Because that's the draining part of it. In order for my life to work, I have to take energy from someone else. I have to exploit someone else and pay them so little money so that I can make so much money, right? That's pure patriarchal narcissism, that, that capitalistic pyramid scheme. <laughs> Um, okay, so Ree says, I'm a little late in joining. How do you deal with an ex-spouse narcissist that you try to set boundaries with, but then they use the kids to cross the boundaries? Ree, you are in a difficult situation, and I have immense compassion for your situation. It is not uncommon. It is so common, the situation that you are in, that there is a whole court system there is a whole bureaucratic society around helping you deal with exactly what you're dealing with. So here's what I'm gonna recommend. Stop talking to your husband. You no longer communicate with your husband. You communicate through some sort of mediator. You have to abandon all hope that you will get what you want. You need to release all expectation that he will change at all. That's it. That's what you need to do. That's how you deal with it. You do not communicate directly with them. And if you do, you only say what you want and you do not phrase it as a question. You say, drop the kids off at 12 here on this day. You say, do not talk to my children in this way. And if he still does, you continue to hold that boundary. I asked you not to do this. Tell me why you're still doing it. I am telling you once again, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't do this. And if you continue to do it, there's probably not a lot I can do. But I can tell you that if you continue to do it, it's only going to hurt your relationship with your children because they see right through you. And that's the narcissist's biggest fear is, being seen. It's ironic because they want to be the main character. 
but they only want to be seen in a certain way. They want to manipulate how you see them because they are hiding their shame. And that's why there's such a crossover between narcissism and addiction. So many narcissists become addicts because they are hiding their shame. So when you come at it from that element of compassion, of the reason he is the way he is, is because he is so ashamed of himself and he has no coping mechanisms. He has no resources. He is so lost in the storm of his self-pity and self-incrimination. And everyone else is the problem. And it's everyone else's fault, that external locus of control. He, we must have so much compassion for that because the other option is just bitterness. The other option is just resentment. And that's low vibration. Whereas tolerance, tolerance is a very high vibration. Tolerance is, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to affect my mood. You could go murder my puppy right now, and I am so grounded in my being, in my birthright of love, that there is nothing you can do to affect my vibration. Don't go and murder my puppy. This is not John Wick. <laughs> I will go through a grieving period if that happens, but my vibration will not be lowered by any external circumstance. I will not allow that to happen. And the way to do that is to establish strong spiritual practices. And I know everyone on here on Insight Timer is so dedicated to their healing. And it's why I love coming live on here. <laughs> it's why I come on here live several times a week is because everyone on here is so open to the deep healing um, that you really deserve, that you know you have the discipline to hold these energetic boundaries so that the narcissists that do inevitably come into your life do not affect you. In fact, they may become a source of income <laughs> if you play your cards right. <laughs> but you have to somehow turn this energy into a source of energy instead of letting it drain you. For me, I turned it into an income source. As I mentioned, I'm a Capricorn. That's just in my nature. For you, it may be you invite them into your community, but you like only invite them to parties where it's not one-on-one. -on -one. Or it may be like your friend has a narcissistic partner and you're like, maybe we could just hang out the two of us and we're not going to bring that person. Or it could be eliminating the relationship from your life knowing that you will always be rewarded for setting boundaries is such an important step of this spiritual freedom because so often uh well let me speak for myself for myself i thought if i set boundaries i will lose too much has anyone else ever felt that way if i set boundaries i'm going to lose something yeah let's see <laughs> Susan says they crumble. It is great to watch a narcissist crumble, Susan. I have, I have crumbled many a narcissist in my time. And it is very satisfying. And the reason it's satisfying is because you're experiencing growth. You're watching the rebirth process. Aria, yes. Anna, yep. Charlotte says, be careful of the narcissist that doesn't get their way. 
and then tries to manipulate you into pitying them. So this, once again, there is a difference between narcissistic and abusive behavior. All abusers are narcissists, but not all narcissists are abusers. So if someone hears a boundary and then tries to manipulate you, that is abusive behavior. And you all now also know that that person is a narcissist. So that is the sign, nope, that person does not get to be a part of your life. That person does not get to text you. They don't get to follow you on social media. You got to block them. You've got two options when you're dealing with a narcissist abuser. You need to block them completely <laughs> or you have to outplay them. You start texting them constantly. Hey, baby, where are you? Hey, baby, what's up? Hey, baby, why haven't you texted me back yet? Hey, baby, where are you? Hey, baby, who are you with? Hey, baby, why aren't you texting me back? Hey, baby, you said you were going to be in touch. Hey, baby, I don't know why you haven't called. And then you call them like 14 times and they will break up with you so fast. Once you give them the attention they think they want, they will disappear so quickly. It's like magic. <laughs> okay, let's go through these comments. Um, let's see, Richard's had someone way back up here that I missed. Um, I might have to, let's see, I may have totally missed it. Yeah, it's, it's gone now. Let's start at the bottom here. T says, Morgan, you are so wily. I am, I'm a wily coyote. Um, JC says, I no longer let him diminish me. This is the marriage of 27 years. Every time I told him I was happy about something, he had a negative comment about it. And I no longer let him do that to me. I know you can't change people, but he's actually starting to respect my position. Okay, so th thank you for bringing this up, JC. This is true. You cannot change people, but you can change your own behavior and watch how other people change their response to you. If you change your behavior, other people are forced to change their response to you. That doesn't mean that you're changing them because you're not saying you need to do this. You're saying, I'm standing my ground. And you can make your decisions, but here, this is where I'm staying. Um, and that's where you're going to get the respect. So good for you, JC. I want to give you some good applause. And I would love to know a little bit more detail about like what, what it took to get to this point after 27 years. Um, Anna says, if they don't respect a boundary, block them. What if they are a customer or a client? Same thing. Yes. Yes. Um, I have a narcissist fee for people, for clients in my life who drain me of energy. They pay double. So I price them out of the market. <laughs> if it's a customer or a client, no one, it doesn't matter to me. It's even easier. It's so much easier. What are you worth to me? Money? That's nothing. Money has no value. Money is only as valuable as what I spend it on. <laughs> um, JC says, yes, I changed my reaction and it changed everything. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anyone who's in any sort of um, service-oriented business, start charging a narcissist fee. You can't call it a narcissist fee, but this is why I don't post my rates on my website. Like I work on a sliding scale <laughs> and that sliding scale has little to do with your financial situation and everything to do with how much energy it's going to take me to deal with you. <laughs> um, I do, I do love my sliding scale. Yeah, it's true. 
And I want to emphasize, like, it, it, it's easy to get into the stigma of good and bad behavior here. And certainly, we all have places that we need to grow and heal. And narcissism is difficult, but so is codependency. So is being a codependent empath. That is hard for a narcissist to deal with. That's hard for a secure individual to deal with as someone who's like, can I fix that for you? Can I fix that one? Can I do that for you? Do you need this? Can I do that? Can I do that? What about this? Do you need me to do this? I'll do that. Can I do that? I'll do this one too. <laughs> because you have to give people space to live their own lives, right? And for those of us who are people pleasers, who are highly sensitive, we're constantly feeling other people's needs. And we're constantly fulfilling other people's needs. And you'll know you're fine. You'll, you'll, uh, you will have found someone really secure in your life if you go to fulfill a need of theirs and it's in a way that you think is gonna drain you and they say, no, thanks, babe, I got this. I got this one. In a way that feels really safe and gentle. Or ideally you just end up in a situation in a relationship with someone who you don't feel the need to fix. <laughs> Do you, let, let's, let's ask here, who, who in here um, has had a relationship that you go in and you're like, Oh, this, this person needs fixing. I have. Have I ever not had a relationship like that? That's a question. Yeah, T. I don't want to be someone's mom. I don't want to be someone's mom either. But the empaths often end up in that role. We put ourselves in that role, right? Because it was normalized for us. And this is where we go back to the mommy issues of not being nurtured. We had to be our own mother. And often we had to be the mother for, for our mother. Right. So it's been normalized to be in this position of not only do you have to take care of yourself way before you're emotionally capable of doing it, but also you have to take care of this person who is supposed to be taking care of you. It destroys your trust in other people. It makes you incredibly self-sufficient to a fault, right? To the point where you can't let anyone in to help you because that's unsafe. Because if someone's coming in to help you, that means something's gone wrong. That means that you haven't done enough. That means that you've done something wrong if someone has to help, as opposed to, I can't do this all myself. And I bet there's someone else who would actually really love to help me with this. So um, Anna says, I love helping. Yeah, it's just not codependency or a need of me. I just have skills that I like to share. Okay, so so this, this is where I wanna bring in. Um, it can be such a gift to ask people to help you because it can be so fulfilling to help someone else, right? I love it when people come to me and ask me for help. And when I go and ask one of my friends for help, they love it. They love it when I go and ask them for help. They love being able to help me. And if someone asks me for help, I love being asked. And I know that I don't have to help them. I know that if it doesn't work for me, I can say I can't provide that right now and it's not going to affect our relationship. And if I ask someone for help and they say, I can't do that right now, it's not going to affect our relationship because I know someone else is gonna help me. So it's okay to want to please people, but it's draining if you don't also please yourself first, right? You can't fill other people's cup until you fill your own pitcher. How can you fill from an empty pitcher? 
Um, yeah, Ray said, I didn't realize at first, but once I recognize it, I throw myself into fixing, helping, saving. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful instinct. It's such a beautiful instinct to want to help people, to see a problem they're having and to want to say, I can help. I can do it. I can help. But are you doing it for them? Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it out of sense of a, an obligation of anytime someone helps, I have to say yes. Because someone asked me for help, I am obligated to say yes. And that's the difference between the codependent behavior and the healthy, you know, secure attachment behavior. The codependent behavior is, I have to do this. I have to, I have to. And the healthy, secure attachment behavior is, I, I get to do this. I, I, I am able to do this, or I cannot do this. I, my instinct is that I would love to be able to do this, but I know that it's not right for me. For what it doesn't, you don't even need a reason. I just know it doesn't feel good. Richard says, I started scraping, scrapping every thought. I thought about whatever I was thinking. I started with me, internalized, asking the right questions, cleaning my act up, showed me what rubbish looks like. Yes, I love to help, but I needed boundaries for me. Looking a lot better now. No agenda, just growth. Yes, beautiful. JC says, we have to put ourselves first or we have nothing left for anyone else. Yes, so many people think that's selfish, but it's quite the contrary. Yeah, so there's no such thing as a selfish act and there's no such thing as a selfless act because everything we do serves both ourselves and each other because we're all one. We're all connected. We're, it's all the same. <laughs> It's just so much easier that way, I think, right? Every lie that you've been told, this is from the Yoga Sutras um, and a song called Truth by Edward Sharp, the Magnetic Heroes. Every lie that you've been told is the idea that you are separate from anything else. That is the source of all of our suffering is the idea that we are separate, that we're on our own, that we in these bodies are, are our own consciousness. And that's just not true. Because I touching this air through the molecules, through the way space works, I am also touching you, right? The way that physics works is that everything is interconnected, right? This space that we think of here, right? This is not empty space. This is just molecules that doesn't transmit on a computer screen. <laughs> this is compressible. This is, this is something I can feel under the temperature. I can move it around, right? This is all space. And when I touch that right there, it can travel and send energy directly all over the universe, right to where you are. In fact, we'll try it right now. I'm gonna hold my hands up to the screen and you can hold your hands up too if you'd like, you don't have to, it works either way. But see, see if you can just feel, um, let's see if you can feel a color coming through my hands. I'm just gonna send a color. And if you wanna put the color in the comments, um, Let's see, Let me, I'm gonna type, I'm gonna type the color in so that you all know I'm not just cheating here. I'm gonna type the color in and then I'm sending it right now. I'm just gonna put, put the color that you think that I'm sending out. And it doesn't matter if you get the color right, this is not the point. Let's see if you can see or feel or sense any sort of energy that I'm sending your way. Yeah, yeah. So this is so funny. Um, I just sent it. I was sending orange. Charlotte got it. Um, I was sending orange when I typed that, but I was actually sending a rainbow. So, <laughs> so you were all right. 
But could you guys tell, tell me what that experience was like for you? Did you see a color? Could you feel it? Was it some, was it, there was some sort of visceral sense in your body that you were like, there was a reaction. There was some sort of, I'm feeling this, right? Yeah, an immediate sense of the color, clear as a bell. Yeah. So, so this is what I'm talking about with space, right? Like this is through a computer screen that I'm sending, you know, this energy, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So there's, there's, there's no separation from us. You can tap into any energy, to any wisdom in the universe, to any consciousness in the universe at any time. And this is so valuable for us when we're talking about narcissists, because so often we have to set such strong boundaries with narcissists, but there's still a part of our heart that wants to connect to them. So you can connect to them in your meditation. You can connect to them on, on the astral realm of reaching out to their consciousness, reaching out to their energy, just picturing them in your mind and sending them your metta, your loving kindness, sending them your desire of, I hope that you're well. I hope that you are at peace. And I hope that you are free from your suffering. And that's what we offer the narcissists, freedom from their suffering. Yeah, Richard says, it goes beyond my beliefs. There's no resistance anymore to separate us. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, my friends, we've got a few more minutes here. My phone's about to die. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone have any specific issues related to the narcissism that you've been dealing with in your life? that you feel um, I, can, I can give you some guidance on. Thank you for the heart parade. Um, Charlotte's still seeing the orange coral-ish. Yeah, that Manipura chakra. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so we've got, we've got 384 people who have joined us at some point tonight. Debu says, if we are sending them healing, will they get some sense in resolving our divorce? Debu, 100%. If you communicate with your estranged husband, um, in the astral realm, if you offer him a, a you know spiritual flower of, hey, can you tell your human self? This, I'm talking to a higher self husband right now. Can you tell your human self, this is too hard. It doesn't have to be this hard. Can you send your human self some kindness and some strength because he really needs it right now. And I'm gonna give you the flower of my kindness and my strength, not to this human husband, but to higher self husband. I'm gonna give you the flower of my strength and my kindness. And I'm gonna ask you to channel that to him. And I wonder if you meditated on that for 20 minutes, like the morning before your next meeting or before the next big decision in the divorce or you know, just right now, just see, see if that softens at the very least your relationship to the experience of divorcing your husband. And congratulations on your divorce, my dear. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, okay, that was a good question. I like that question, Debu. Mary says this was this was crazy awesome. Excellent. JC, that's a huge amount of people. Yeah, it is, it is a good topic. Ro says, you feel like your son is held hostage, also not talking to us much. Ro wants to stay in his is uh, Ro's son wants to stay in his bubble. Yeah, so Ro, it's it could be that your son is in an abusive narcissistic relationship. And so it's not that he wants to stay in his bubble, it's that he's trapped. So you also need to meditate and communicate with his higher self and say, higher self, son, 
there's something going on here. And Ro, it is not your place to fix this. As the mother, it is your place to hold space for his experience. So he's going to come to you at some point soon. And he's going to say, mom, I don't know what to do. And you cannot say, I do. I know what to do. <laughs> you need to say, tell me more. You need to say, that sounds really hard. And here's the key phrase. How can I support you? How can I support you? Because the, po the codependent empath thinks it already knows what to do. As soon as someone comes at it, before they even said anything, it's like, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Here's how we're going to fix it. But that doesn't help. That doesn't help you. It drains you. It doesn't help them because they got to figure out how to do this on their own. Right? So how can I support you empowers them. All right. Um, let's see. Ray says, this was everything I needed and so much more. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for, thank you everyone for commenting and sharing your stories. That's such an important part of this process is learning how to share with each other. <laughs> okay, Anna says, if a boundary is crossed repeatedly on say a phone call, how do I stop repeating myself or escalating? Okay, Anna, you already know this person does not respect your boundaries. This person does not get to have a role in your life. This person does not get to speak to you anymore. You can block them. You can try to have a conversation. They're not gonna hear it. They're not going to hear it. I would meditate, talk to their higher self, and then block the fuck out of them. <laughs> if a boundary is crossed repeatedly, trust that action. Trust that action. They will continue to cross your boundaries. Trust their actions. Um, Rose said, oh yeah, the grandchildren moved out of state with her parents. Roe, that's their choice. That's perfectly valid. They're allowed to do that. That has nothing to do with you. That is their choice. I'm not going to fault anyone for moving out of state. Um, Anna says, hold space. Don't fix it. Tell me more. That sounds really hard. How can I support you? Yes. Those are all the key phrases. Um, Ray says going no contact has been a lifesaver. It's the only way you got to block them. You got to block them. It gets easier with time. It's true. It's true. Um, let's see, Deborah, this is so helpful. Deep thanks. Deep thanks to you. Susan, is communicating with Roe, going through exactly the same thing with your 17-year-old son. Yeah, the son is coming back to you just because you did what I said. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you just have to hold space for that journey. And that's, I mean, that's your lesson. That's your training. That's your karmic training here in this situation is allowing your child to grow up. Oh, oh, it's hard. Because for the mother, when you, when you give birth, especially vaginally through, or through your body to, to a child, you share your aura. When that child emerges from your body, they're splitting off. Like you imagine a cell dividing, they're, your aura is dividing and they take some of your aura with them. That's why that mother's sense when you're like, you know your child's in danger, you can feel it. It's literally happening in your nervous system. It's literally happening in your aura. So that's why, that's what that mother's sixth sense is. Um, so that's why it's so hard because you have to create such a deeper boundary. Oh, 
such a powerful boundary so that when your child comes to you in so much pain, you can hold space for feeling that pain and know that it's not yours, even though it's going to feel like it's happening to you. You get to know that it's not yours and it isn't possibly hard, but it is amazing. Charlotte says, trust what Morgan just said. Yes, please do. Please do. Um, they will always cross the boundary. Show yourself self-compassion and walk them out of your life. Wish them well from afar. Yes. Do the meta meditation. 100% do the meta meditation. Okay. My phone is about to die. I have to jump out of here. If we have any, if we have a few more questions, we, we can get through them. Um, Susan feels like you've grown a million percent in this session. I would love to know what's going to be your biggest takeaway from this session. What's, what's the most empowering thing that you've heard in this session? Morgan acronym B foot. I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Yes, yes. I love that acronym. <laughs> Deborah's biggest takeaway that I am okay. Not only okay, Deborah, you are a beautiful, blessed being, and we love you so much. And we are so proud of you. You're doing such a good job. All right, my friends, if you haven't yet followed me, go ahead and point your clicker right onto my face over there. You can give me a follow. Um, you can check out all of my offerings. In the link in my profile, I have a ton of guided meditations um, that will help you with these problems of, of dealing with uh, setting boundaries and narcissism. Susan is learning more about boundaries. Yeah, anyone who has an issue setting boundaries, it's time to go to therapy or you can hire me. Um, Ray has learned to take up all the space necessary. Yes, without fear or guilt. No, in fact, you are empowering others when you take up space. I was just talking with a client today who is a medical doctor. She has worked for 25 years in her career and she did not want to use the word doctor in her marketing for her next business. And I was like, do you think a man would have an issue using the title that he worked 25 years to earn? And she was like, no, I don't think a man would ever, ever have an issue with that. She had this weird ego thing of like, well, I don't know if people feel weird that I'm a doctor. And I'm like, people are just going to feel empowered. And they're going to be like, oh, she's a doctor. She did that. That's amazing. That's awesome. Like you are empowering other people when you take up space and own who you are and own your accomplishments. All that does is make the world a brighter place. That takes nothing away from anyone. That takes nothing away from anyone. Um, Mary is ready to do what's right for me first. Yes. Thank you, Mary. JC, I'm so glad you followed me. And, and you guys can join me in my circle. You can join me in the Splendid Yoga Healing Circle. Go check that out. Um, we hang out. We have good conversations. I enjoy it. Yeah, Anna sees that a lot. Women toning themselves down. Yeah, the patriarchy does not like the powerful divine feminine because the divine feminine wants to transform everything. And the patriarchy doesn't like change. But the divine feminine loves change. Own your existence. Ro, if you would like a copy of tonight's talk, you may join my email list. Go click the link in my profile. There's a click called Heal from Narcissism. And uh, you're, you're gonna go ahead and click on that, put your email address in. You know what to do from there, confirm your subscription. Um, yes, goodbye patriarchy. Hi patriarchy, it was nice knowing you. No, it wasn't. Um, uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, keep in touch with me. Give me a follow. Join my email list. You can hire me. I do this one-on-one -on -one work all the time. I help people heal from this stuff 
all day long. I help them learn how to make money doing work that they love. I help them learn how to find the relationships that best serve them. I learn how I learn. I, <laughs> I coach people in how to transform their lives into their dream life. It's what I do and I love doing it. And I love working with my community here on Insight Timer because as I've mentioned, you all are so dedicated to your healing and you're doing such a magnificent job. And I hope that you are giving yourselves credit for how far you've come. Are you, are you giving yourself credit for what a good job you're doing? You have done such good work. I am so grateful for all the work that you've done. And I see it, I feel it. And I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. We got 386 people in here on Insight Timer. Such a beautiful journey talking with you guys this evening. It's been such a pleasure. Um, if you enjoyed this, uh, you know, do your thing. You can send me some money. You can donate to me. I love donations. I split them here with Insight Timer. I do love working with Insight Timer. They do such good work for me. They allow me the space to connect with you guys. They're a beautiful community. And uh, some of the money goes to me. It goes straight to my master's program. Actually, it pays my tuition <laughs> for my master's program in traditional Chinese medicine. So thank you to those of you who have donated. It allows me to continue to come on here on Insight Timer and share some of these hard-won lessons that I've been sharing with you guys. My only goal is to teach you all how to open your hearts to compassion so that we can all learn just how to want it to be easier for each other. We don't have to do the work to actually make it easier. We just have to want it to be a little easier for all of us. That's it. That's, that's it. That's enlightenment. That's a form of enlightenment. All right, my dears, Debu, I, I, I don't know if I'll do this session again. I, this, is, this is a special, this was a special event that I did by request of um, a client of mine. And that's why I recorded it. So I could pass it along to people um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll do like a once a quarter thing as new information comes in. Uh, but, but if my work resonated with you, please continue to find me on the internets here on Insight Tamer. Um, I am, I'm all over all the other social media channels. I've got a blog. I got a newsletter. I got all the things. I got a podcast. Um, I'd love to keep in touch, but I'm also going to be here tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday. Yes. Um, I will be doing at 6 a.m. my Taoist Shen meditation. One of the things I learned through that master's program, your donations. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, JC. Um, Debu, to get the recording, sign up for my email list or join me in, in my circle, uh, the Splendid Yoga Healing Circle. And that will get you the list. Okay, my phone is like 2%. It's dire times. I got to get out of here. <laughs> my friends, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I will talk to you soon. Bye.